0: Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Mark, and this is E3, and we this is our… Yay, thank you. <laughs> and uh, my mom's not even here. Uh, that's awesome. I'll have to call her later until I got an applause. Applause. Appla- not, not applause, but an applaud. Duh. This is a singular. So, uh, this is a new series, uh, Toxin, where… Uh, we're going to be going over the next several weeks uh, using toxin as a metaphor for sin. And we're going to be looking at at different things that the staff and I believe that all of us, including the pastoral staff, deal with uh, at least on a weekly basis, but probably on a daily basis. Uh, Today, we're going to start off the series looking at toxic silence when when being silent is a sin, we're going to look at uh, toxic friends next week, and uh, just when when a certain friend uh, is is making you uh, experience less than God has envisioned for your life, and taking you down a path that is not healthy. The following week is going to be toxic family. This is where you go, hmm. So, uh, and, uh, you know, and unlike friends, you know, family is, is really difficult when it's toxic because, you know, you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your family, right? <laughs> Somebody said amen to that. That is awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh, then we're going to look at toxic food and then um, toxic calendar, uh, just when our calendar is making us <laughs> sick, essentially. And then finally, we're going to look at toxic nature and just kind of look at, at the nature of brokenness and how we navigate through that. But to start off, before we get into toxic silence, I want to talk about just what is sin? Sin has been such a convoluted word in the, uh, by the time of the 21st century in America that you could, you could literally ask 10 different people and get 10 different Answers and today, I want to start out just what is what is toxins what what is sin and uh, from a biblical standpoint, when we look at the Bible, what does the Bible teach as sin, not as a specific sin, but like the nature of sin and and sin uh, is best illustrated, I think for me at least for my understanding is through an illustration um, between uh, an archer and their bow and a target. Now, I wanted to bring a bow and a target and an arrow, but Pastor Dan thought that that would not be prudent. So, you're just going to have to in your mind's eye ima- imagine this, this wonderful illustration. So, uh, think about it like if you were lined up as, a, as an archer and you pull back your bow… See all these people over here going like, "I'm glad he didn't bring the bow." And the, and the, and you you kind of line up with the target. What's on the target? Bullseye. A bullseye. Numbers and concentric circles, going away from the bullseye. Right. So if you get a bullseye, you you've hit the target. Okay. And uh, and then you know farther away. Okay. So great. So you go when you when you stand in front of that target, what's your intention? Hit the bullseye. Like, that's the name of the game. That's what you want to do. You want to release it, you know, you want to, and you want to be like Robin Hood, and hit that bullseye, go, yes, I'm awesome. So, what usually happens? you miss. You, you miss. You, you, you hit one of those uh, concentric circles that are, are, are outside of the bullseye. Sometimes you miss the target completely, right? You may break your arrow or lose your arrow or, or, or something like that. Well, this is the biblical uh, kind of image of sin. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what I like to ask people is, do you, think, do, you, do you think God had something in mind when He did that? Or was He just like, yeah, this, that, that, you know? Uh, you know? Did He have something in mind? Well, that thing that He had in mind, which is uh, retold in Genesis 1 and 2, is the target, is the ideal. And then in Genesis 3... Sin entered the world, and we started to see things that were less than ideal. So here's the imagery of, of a target for us in, in understanding sin is when we, as followers of Christ, that we have an attitude or an action or a habit in our lives, we want to hit the bullseye. We want to hit the target, uh, the bullseye that, that God has envisioned for us in our lives, but that doesn't always happen. Sometimes we hit a concentric circle out, or two, or three, or four, or sometimes we don't even hit the target. And that gap between where the arrow strikes and the bullseye, that gap is the biblical understanding of sin. And you can go above the bullseye, below the bullseye, to the left of the bullseye, to the right of the bullseye, but it if you miss the bullseye, then uh, that gap between God's perfect vision for our life and where you ended up is sin, and you are in need of grace in that. But it doesn't mean that there wasn't a target in the first place. And I think as we enter into 2015, one thing that's been really perplexing to me as we've journeyed along and I've noticed this um, more and more people who proclaim that they're themselves as Christians, as, as followers of Christ, have have basically said there's there's no bullseye. That that we uh, it, it it's it's all about love or all, it's all about grace and, and things like that. Which I wholeheartedly believe that God is love, but God is also just. God is also king. God also had something in mind. And I think that this series ultimately is a maturity kind of check where, where we say, you know what, am I mature enough in a healthy way connect with people and talk with people uh, about times that they are missing the mark? And am I healthy and mature enough to allow people to speak into my life? And... Here we have what I would ultimately like to to land. It is a place that that fully recognizes that there is a bullseye to hit, but also fully uh, be reliant on the grace that is offered through Jesus Christ when we do not hit that bullseye. So, our our first kind of uh, topic is toxic silence or, or when, when being silent is sinful. This, this topic is so difficult and this is probably the hardest one that we're beginning with is when, when do I say something and when do I just be quiet? When is somebody, uh, when do I have an obligation as a fellow brother and sister in Christ to say something and I'm in sin if I do not say something? Or when is it sinful for me to say something uh, to, to someone? Or not, again, sinful not being God's bullseye, God's ideal on how we act. Well, to get us there where I have something I feel is really practical at the end of this talk. We're going to have to start may, maybe in a little more of a philosophical realm uh, of Scripture. And that's fa- uh, we're going to start in 1 John chapter 5. So, you may want to turn to your Bibles there. It's on your French French fold. Uh-huh, French fold. Uh, f- French fold. And uh, it's also going to be on the screen. So, If you see a Christian brother or sister sinning in a way that does not lead to death, and this in this context, spiritual death, you should pray and God will give that person life. So far, so good, right? We like that. Somebody's sinning. It's not a sin. You know, that might be a little funky that leads to spiritual death, but, but we'll pray and God will give that person life. We like that. The, the next one is a little more difficult, the next sentence. But there is a sin that leads to spiritual death, I add spiritual, to death, and I am not saying you should pray for those who commit it. And this is where you're like, tickle, what? You know, you're not meant to pray for somebody who, who uh, is engaged in a, in a sin that leads to spiritual death. Now, this is, this is hard, right? Maybe not for all of you, but for, I would say, most of us, this is outside of our normal paradigm. And then he finishes up this small section. It says, all wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death or to spiritual death. So, I don't know about you, but I've, I've always heard, you know, uh, all sin in the eyes of the Lord are the same, right? Yeah. Well, according to, to John here, that's not necessarily at least the consequences, that there are sins that, that, that have greater consequences than others. In fact, uh, consequences that carry with it spiritual death. Now, I got to tell you, I was like reading this and I, I feel God brought me to this Scripture today uh, to have a bigger understanding or a better understanding, a better conversation or at least start the conversation that you can continue in your growth groups, uh, of the nature of sin. And this concept is is really kind of foreign in a lot of uh, modern evangelical churches or just church, uh, Protestant churches. So, there's three basic schools of thought on this. And um, this is more academic in nature at, at this point. I'm going to give you these three different kind of ways of thinking about what John is writing about. Uh, scholars pretty much agree that when John was writing this, that the people receiving it probably knew what he was talking about. But here, you know, tw- uh, 2,000 years removed, it's a little more difficult. So, the, the first kind of way to think about this of like, hey, pray for somebody who's not sinning in a way that leads to spiritual death and God will give them life uh, you know what, don't bother praying for someone who's uh, in sin that, that leads to spiritual death. You know, what what's going on here? Well, one way of thinking about that is he's talking about a specific deadly sin or toxin um, about this, that, that uh, in the Old Testament, there were, uh, basically, there were 613 laws of Moses, and if you intentionally broke one of those, those laws and said, you know what, I, you know, just with arrogance saying like, God, you won't, you can't touch me, that, that would be known as a mortal sin, a sin that would lead to spiritual death versus a, if you broke one of the 613 laws of Moses that, that it was accidental. In, incidental that that um, you were going along and you know you didn't wash your hands right or so, or something like that, or you didn't sacrifice your goat right or something like that 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 you you would be okay on that, some of those specific kind of uh, uh, sins that that we that are listed in these specific type sins that that are not accidental. In nature, according to the Old Testament, is what we know as the seven the seven deadly sins, and that's murder, adultery, injustice, apostasy, adultery, and fornication. These are these are, are sins that basically you've you've crossed some sort of line, and even your sacrifices will not cover it. Okay, it's, it's more of a Jewish uh, way of thinking and not in the New Covenant. The second one is uh, the sin might be blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Okay, blasphemy is essentially uh, uh, rejecting uh, the Holy Spirit. And this is taken from a couple of accounts with Jesus and the religious rulers of the day. First one's found in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 32. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. So this is Jesus speaking. Anyone who speaks against me, me as in Jesus, but I'm not Jesus. do not Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. Okay, that's the first one. The second one is Mark chapter three, verse twenty-nine. But anyone who blasphemies the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequence. And this is this is basically making a, a separation, saying that you know what, I reject God the Father and and the Spirit. That that that. I don't accept the Spirit to indwell in me. And that's basically basically what they're saying, that there's no coming back from that. Now, the third one is probably more what we are familiar with in the, in the New Testament. And that's the total rejection of the gospel once you've already uh, accepted forgiveness and uh, lordship of Jesus. And this... Uh, is found in Hebrews chapter 6, in verse 4. The writer of Hebrews writes this, and this is tough stuff. Again, this is a maturity series, so it's not light. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come and who turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing Him to the cross once again and holding Him up to public shame. So, essentially what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is if if for those of us who have accepted Jesus, as our Lord and Savior, that we've accepted His forgiveness and that we have truly had an encounter with the one true living God, that that we have been adopted into His family. If we say, you know what, God, I have experienced Your forgiveness. God, I have experienced Your love. God, I have experienced Your guidance, and I reject it. what the writer of Hebrews is saying is God will let you go. That that is a sin where you and, and I, it, it it's almost a waste of time to, to pray for that person. Or as John says, I'm telling you just not even to pray for that person. That we also see in other places uh, in the New Testament uh, this I- idea, especially like in the, in the prodigal son, that, that God at some point allows people to go. Go and, and discover on your own. And what we understand through, through that parable is, you know what? If you, you know, what Jesus says, when he came to his senses, And came back, the father was ready for him and received him. But the father didn't go after him until he turned and came back. The second is here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume His enemies. Again, this is really hard things, but I think that this goes to the tension of of the real difficulty that you and I have in trying to determine when do we say something Uh, and when do we stay silent? When do we fall on our knees and, and pray? And when do we say, you know what? You, you are free to go. If you reject, then, you know, that you are not a slave, that you have been free. And sometimes freedom means that you are, you are free to go. Again these are very difficult things and, and and if you have in your heart is grieving that if we ever would get to this point then I would say that your heart is not hardened and it is right that that it should grieve us that we should never want to get to a point where where we're like you know what god says that i it's, it's not even worth the prayer that with the the with the small amount of resources and time uh, an energy that He's given me that He's directed me to channel these things into, uh, into people who are seeking Him. So, in 1 John uh, chapter 5, continuing, it's interesting, He finishes this up with a three, two, one. He has three we-knows, two live-ins in one place. Now, I'll explain this. Verse eighteen, the first three uh, we knows. He says, "We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them." Okay, so we know. We know that God's children do not make it a practice of sinning. That 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 we don't live a life where we're okay with our sin. Again, this is for those of us who have had a one-on-one encounter with the creator of the universe, with the savior of humanity. That that when we have experienced his holiness and his holiness in the sense of being absolutely pure that the thought of us defiling that purity with our behavior or attitudes or actions is repulsive to us, that we don't have that desire to do it. doesn't mean it, we don't, but the desire is to please Him and to live in the vision that He has for our life. That's the first we know. The second we know is we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. So here we know, we understand the reality that we are in a broken, sinful world, and we understand that we are God's children. And for those of us who who are, who are are parents, that we understand that there's... There's a difference between our children um, purposely trying to irritate us or, or, or be disobedient, and then there's just being spacey, right? And it can be the same action. You know, like one thing that, that, that I think about, um, like at our house, is some simple things. Don't throw your trash on the floor throw it in the trash, clean your dishes, put them in the dishwasher. If it's your day, empty the dishwasher and put the dishes away. Okay? I haven't set a high bar here. <laughs> it's just being part of the family. And these are your things. You know, your mother and I, we go and we work so, you little ungrateful bugger, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> so, sometimes you're like, dude, there's trash on the ground. Like, why'd you throw trash on the ground? This is our home. And you know, you're not meant to throw trash on the ground, you're meant to put the trash in the trash can. And then take the trash and put it out in the other trash can. And then take that trash can and put it out on the curb. Not rocket science. And, and sometimes, you know what? Sorry, I forgot. And there's like almost, you can tell if they really forgot. Because there's immediate attitude change, right? They pick up the trash. Or they, they start doing the dishes. They stop everything. Or there's the other time where they're just being... Little, rotten, snot-nosed kids, right? Where, where they're like, oh, I forgot. And then they continue on in their behavior. Right? Parents? This ever, am I the only one? Yeah, all right. And I, I think, you know, the, when John's writing, we know that we are children of God. That, that God knows we forget sometimes that we're spacey, that we have things going on, that we live in a broken and messy world. But there's a big difference between, oh, I forgot, or oh, I messed up, or oops, I did it again. Yeah. Two Britney Spears things in <laughs> one Sunday, come on. <laughs> then, oh yeah, God, yeah, I blew it again. And then continuing in that behavior. There's a big big difference. I think that's what John is trying to say. And then the third we know, and we know that the Son of God has come and He has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. This understanding that we know that God was revealed through Jesus Christ that we know about God's love and God's grace and God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And that the closer we can follow Jesus, the closer we're going to be to God. So those are the three we know. Then there's the two I lives. It says, and now we live in fellowship with the true God. So those of us who have accepted his forgiveness and, and accepted being adopted into the family that, yeah, you know what? There's expectations of being part of that family. That's just true of family. But we live in fellowship, and if we're not living in fellowship, then we are outside of the protection of the father, like the prodigal son when he ran away, or like one of our children if, you know, God forbid they ever Run away. that they're outside of your protection. And then the other we live is because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and He is eternal life. So there again, living in fellowship with God the Father and living in fellowship with His Son who reveals God the Father to us. And then finally, just this idea of, you know what, in our hearts there's one place in our hearts, that 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 is that pinnacle place, and that place is for God. That it's not, you know, our families. It's not our church. It's 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 not even the Bible. It's God. To be that primary spot in your life. So. All of this to say sometimes it's really difficult to determine you know do i say something do i not say something when when is somebody starting to engage in behavior that could lead to a mortal sin to a fatal sin Or when are they doing something that, you know what, I just need to pray for them? Or do I need to say something and sit down and pray with them? And and all of these things. So basically, if if we've been living in toxic silence, you know, how do we detox from this? And I think the best kind of detox for, for this and helping us the most practical way, at least for steps, not so much making the judgment call, is found in Matthew 18 and verses 15 and 17. And this is when Jesus says, if another believer sins against you, now, if another believer sins against you, this is about being the family of God. This is not, you know, Charles Manson or something like that. This is somebody, you know, who is a fellow believer, sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you to go back again, so that everything you say might be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then, if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. right? Okay, now I'm going to turn this around. I do not want you to get scared, okay? The first service got very scared. It's not scary, okay? I took that verse and I made basically a decision chart out of it, all right? And you're not going to be able to see it too well. We're going to try to do the video on here, but I'm going to make it available online, so, but this is how I think. Da, 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 da. We're not going through all of it. Don't worry. Don't be scared. I had several people go, like, I was so scared when you, you flipped that thing over and there was all those things. So, but I'm going to run through some of them just to give you kind of like an overview. This is Matthew chapter 18 and how, how uh, so the first question up here is, should you say something? Right? So, we're in that situation your husband's being a louse, your kid is doing something, your, your friend is, uh, I don't know, cooking crystal methane. I don't know. You know, you know it's like at some point you're going like, okay, should I say something? So the first question, this is my interpretation of Matthew 18. Are you committed to this person and will walk with them through this to wholeness? So if you say no, It's true, right? Sometimes you're like, I don't want to walk through the, you know, the valley of the whatever of death, you know? I I just don't want, you know, they're on their own, you know? You know, then you got to ask, yourself: so are you just annoyed with the person but have no desire to be part of their group growth? You know, you could say yes, and I'd say get over it, right? You shouldn't say anything. It's your problem. You're being a plank guy. You know what a plank guy is? It's like one of the coolest scriptures ever. It's like Jesus said, if if you're like trying to pick a speck out of your brother or sister's eye, you got a board in your eye. It's like, come on, man. You know, so, all right. So there's the no. Okay, let's go to the yes. So should you say something? All right. You know, I am committed to this person. I want them out of love because I love them. I want them to experience the life that God has envisioned for them, and I don't believe that they're experiencing that. So, yes. Then the next question is, am I willing to sit down with them one-on-one and discuss this issue? If it's no, then you know what? It's your problem. Get over it. Right? You're in sin. You're experiencing less than what God has put out in front of us. If the answer is yes, then you got to ask, is this a one-time occurrence? This is really, really, to me, this is really important. Remember in Scripture, we live in a broken and messy world. Stuff is going to happen. There are going to be oops, And, and I think the church has, like, as far as, like, judgment... And grace, if it was a pendulum, is swung back and forth back and forth through hundred, you know hundreds of years this has happened and i think for for a lot of times, like especially uh with the, with you know what a lot of people think about as the Catholic Church you know uh you know a hundred years ago, was very judgmental, not a lot of grace just follow the rules okay um Uh, And if there was, like, any, like, transgression, you come down on them hard. Well, then, you know, especially the past probably, like, 40 years, like, a lot of churches have swung way over to just, like, it's all good. You know, there's no target. Just shoot your arrow. It'll land eventually. People die that way, (laughs) I just want to say. So, is it a one-time occurrence? Again, this is a judgment call. This is on your knees and and like, well, you know what? Is it a one-time thing? And if it's yes, me personally, unless it's something really damaging, just let it slide. It's not worth the conversation. Is somebody who, you know, normally lives a righteous life, you know, and has a stumble, you know, maybe just like, hey, man, just thinking about you doing okay or something like that, but it's not, doesn't raise this level. If it's no, sit down with the person and talk to them about it. Is it resolved? If it's yes, good job, you're done, right? If it's not, then find another person that that person respects. Don't get their mortal enemy because they'll just get, you know, uh, defenses up. Is it resolved? Yes, good job. No, grab another person that they respect, is it resolved? Yes. Good job. No? Treat them like a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Boom. You know, the problem is too often we want to go from here to here. Like where's the line it just goes straight to here. You know, that's no grace. That's not how God has lined it out for us. So, again, I'll throw that up on the on the on the Facebook and, uh, and you can check that out if, if, you, if you want to. Ultimately, this is something, especially those of us who are part of biblical community that, that we deal with, that we have, to, we have to interact with. And I believe if the church can get to a place where we can all say, yes, there is a bullseye, and also understand, you know what? We're not going to hit the bullseye every time. But not go so far to say, well, that means there's no bullseye. To say, you know what? Here's the bullseye. Here's this, you know, your action or your behavior or your attitude. And there's a gap here. And you know what? This is a place... That believes that that Jesus bridges that gap, but also believes that God, you that by, if you accept that gap and um, that you are going to miss out on the blessings and life that God has envisioned for you, and this is tough stuff. Like I said, this is this is, you know, high level Christianity. Because it's talking about maturity, that, and, and talking about spiritual health, because unhealthy people cannot interact with people in healthy ways. But fortunately, God and, and Jesus took the time and knew that, you know what, community is hard. Being in a faith community is hard, and given us a, a basically a, a road map on how to achieve health and beauty in a broken world. Will you guys pray with me?